I think now is just such a great time for people to have the freedom to get their story out there so everyone can hear it and share it because this world is so huge. There's always someone out there that can resonate with what you're saying. Hi, I'm LL Abbott, and you're entering a world gone good. Well, hello, my name is Steve, and you've made it. You're safe here with us in our world gone good, where we shine the light and find the light to make sure you remember life is way gooder than you ever imagined. So imagine away. And if you need some inspiration for your imagination, look no further than our website, worldgonegoodpodcast.com. It is where all the good comes to die. Okay, that came out wrong. It is where all the good can be celebrated. Well, some of the good, at least 110 episodes as of this one right here. We got a lot of good going on. Get you all the good you need. God, I'm saying good a lot at worldgonegoodpodcast.com. And please, yeah, share us and it with your friends. Help us spread some good. Okay, so I don't know if you heard or not, but I finished the first draft of my cozy mystery. What is a cozy mystery? It is a mystery that's cozy. Stop asking foolish questions. Okay, actually, it's a um, mystery that's a little on the lighter side, you know, no blood and guts. It's like the perfect beach read when you're on a vacation, just a really fun, cozy mystery. Uh, My cozy mystery is being edited by yours truly as we speak, and I have three beta readers who are busy reading away, and then they're going to give me their thoughts. One of my beta readers is my husband, Jim. He loves a mystery. About a year ago, he discovered a mystery writer by the name of L.L. Abbott, and he has steadily bought her books and um, steadily devoured them. I am not going to lie. He's a little obsessed with her. I just pray my book lives up to hers in his view. And if not, screw both of them. (laughs) I reached out to LL and asked her if she'd come share her storytelling journey. Now sit back and enjoy the good ride as two writers dive in deep and pull back the curtain on the mystery of a world gone good. Well, here we are, two writers not writing. Not writing, (laughs) but talking about writing. You are a cozy mystery writer. Would you call yourself that? I... I would. I think I straddle the the uh, description of cozy mystery writer and just more of the contemporary murder mystery writer um, because I don't have a lot of the blood and gore and extreme violence in it, which tends to define more cozy mysteries. So it's, it's they're more whodunits. I try and and stick to the the traditional whodunit. Uh, playbook, if you will. And I discovered you because my husband discovered you. And I think my husband is either your number one fan or your stalker. It's like a fine line. But he... Do you know what? Either one I'm good with. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Either oh. one I'm good with, but no, I do think he's he's the number one and and he's so kind and he's honest, right? So you know when he says something nice, it's genuine. And that that as you know as a writer is just like, wow, that that just keeps you buoyed for the next step and the next thing that you try and accomplish. Have you always been creative? I have been, but I haven't always been open about it. Um, it's only really been the last five or six years that I've decided to bring my stories out to the world. Uh, my husband caught me writing in secret. He's like, what are you doing? Because I was just like on the computer all the time. It's like, well, I'm just writing down some stories. He's like, let me see. So he didn't. He's the one who really prompted me to, to bring it out into the open. But, you know, sketching, drawing. Um, I ran a skincare company for about 15 years where I handmade uh, hemp-based skincare. So I've always liked to do things a little bit more on the creative side with my uh, with my time. Did your writing start in the mystery world? Because I know you do other kinds of writing. Because you mm-hmm. also do writing where you take a actual uh, historical event and then you fictionalize it a little bit, right? That's right. Yeah. The, the biggest one I did was Our Forgotten Year, which really was based off a lot of stories my dad told me as I was growing up. He grew up in Europe during the war in the south of Italy and uh, other parts of of Europe uh, later on. And they always resonated with me, um, both as a, a learning point and just as interest. So when I was writing stories, I really wanted to get those down as a way to remember him too, because I lost him in 2011. And it was like my one thing that I had with him that nobody else had. And so it was my way of, you know, bring, bringing that in uh, a nice little memory book in a way. But yes, mystery books, I would say, would be where I naturally gravitate to. I've always enjoyed reading mysteries. The whodunits, whether it was the old TV shows from the 70s and the 80s, I just I just love sitting on the edge of the seat just wondering what's happening next and getting even taken by the red herrings and the clues and and those aha moments that you're just like, oh my gosh, like that happened. I love watching those and experiencing those and I find them so much fun to write. Now, I'm working on a cozy murder mystery myself, so mm-hmm. I think we can both share there's a lot of plotting that has to go on, right? It's 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 hard at times, right? And sometimes you write yourself into a corner and all these things. How do you plot out your stories? Do they come to you as where you figure out the murder, you know who the murderer is, and you have to plot it all together? Or do you sort of go along? We, I think we've talked about this before, where it's like, yeah. what did you say? You're a plotter or a... I, I, you're either a plotter or a pantser, but you... You said you're a planter. I'm a very I think that's what I told you. <laughs> you're a planter. But well, I, tell everybody, I definitely... Tell everybody what that is. Tell, tell everybody okay, the difference. Okay, so uh, a pantser is someone who basically just flies by the seat of their pants and and just sits down and just rifles off the story from start to finish. And I am a plotter. So I like to have everything written out. Uh, I have... I have uh, I have structure grids that I use on Excel. I have 
notebooks that I write things down. I usually start with an outline, which is uh, almost more like a blurb because uh, I have this concept in my head of what this story is going to be like. So I'll write a blurb as if it would be something that a reader would would read on Amazon, let's say, just so like, oh, this is the introduction to the book. Then I usually have a title, oddly enough, before I even start writing. And then I just write the chapters and I, I try and follow uh, a three-act structure with red herrings dotted fairly evenly throughout the book, clues, misdirections. I like to come to terms with each clue or red herring as you're going through the book. So so readers don't get confused and try and sum it up all at the end. I like to keep people, like string them along as you're going. And that to, to do that really well and timely and to have the right pace, you, you really need to have that plotted out, or at least I do. No, I agree with you 100% because I'm a big Agatha Christie fan. And mm-hmm. I'm somebody who can say that Agatha Christie is incredibly inconsistent as a mystery writer. There are some that she bats it out of the park. There's others that you're like, what the hell just happened? Um, but so many of the Hercule Poirot mysteries end with a 17, 18, 20 page monologue where he explains every single thing that I was supposed to ram- remember from 300 pages ago. So yeah, like any good story, I'm doing the same thing in mine. I love giving the red herring, taking you down the wrong road, but then solving it for you the next two, three chapters. So you feel satisfied as a reader, like, okay, it wasn't that bad, but that thing, but that was fun to go down that road. And it sounds like you do the same thing. Yeah, I think it's it's fun for the reader because you have to remember the, the reader's not going to sit there for four to six hours straight and read your book. Um, you know, they they have other lives. They have things that they're doing. They may be picking up your book as they're going to bed and they may only be able to get two or three chapters in. And you don't want to leave it to the point where they forgot what happened in chapter three if they can't pick it up for a week. You, you want to have these resolutions as you go along so they want to come back and read the next night or one more chapter and just kind of keep them going. You refer to yourself as an ADHD writer. Explain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, outside of the fact that that I have kids' books, I have gratitude journals, I have history fiction, I have rom-coms, I have action. And also I have about six books already outlined in my notebooks um, that, I, that I'm not writing yet. Yeah, right, to right. write because an idea will just come to me and I'm like, oh, I've got to write this down or I'm going to completely forget it. Something might happen in Starbucks where I just see an interaction between two complete strangers and I'll just think of a scene and think, oh, that'll be good in a book somewhere. So I'll write it down. So I usually have a notebook fairly close to wherever I am. I'm not so great in writing in the notes section on my phone, but in notebooks I am. And uh, I'm a big fan of colored pens. We were talking about this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I'll have like a red pen for for red herrings and, and purple for clues and blue for you know, uh, a plot line and black for a character. So that way I can, flipping through my notebook, I can usually find stuff. But yeah, I'm, I'm always just, I'm all over the place and always thinking of stories and writing. And and it's worse if I'm reading a book or watching a movie because my mind will wander. 
Like something will happen in a book and I'll think, oh, what if they did this instead of what the author's writing? That'd be kind of cool. So I'll write it down. That's but. also the worst when you keep reading, but you're thinking mm-hmm. and you're flipping pages and you're like, no, 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 no. I got to pay attention. I got to pay attention. And they got to go back and reread <laughs> a page. I, that happens to me all the time. Oh, but I guess, I guess it's comes with the territory of having an active writer's mind, which is better than having writer's block. True. Which happens, which happens. Does it happen to you? It does. It happens. Um, I think when it becomes really scary is if you're not prepared for it, you, you have to be prepared that it will happen and don't look at it as a block so much as a challenge. And usually what I do is I just start writing and it might even be something as simple as writing. Carrie needs to go to the edge of the river and think about this. And then I'll move on to the next chapter. So that way I can go back to it later. And and if I'm completely tapped out on whatever book I'm writing, um, I'll write an article or a funny blog and just go completely different from the murder mystery and and just try and, and suss out my 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 confusion that way. And, and it usually helps. We're so similar because I just I'll I'll write bullet points in bold to remind myself mm. later. And if I get stuck, I just will write something like what you just said, but like they'll poker night. And then I just go to the next thing and I'll be like, I'm just going to move on. I'll come back to this Yeah, as a way to not force it too much. Tell everybody this. How many books mm-hmm. do you have you written and published? And then tell everybody mm-hmm. multiple questions here. The mm-hmm. third question being yourself published. So tell everybody about that. Okay. So published. So in the last six years, I've published 22 books. I've written about 32, um, definitely have to go back and clean those up, but do intend on publishing them and self-publishing. Yeah. So I, that was a hundred percent business decision to make. Um, one, uh, I, I could be, you know, very fanciful in my explanation, but, but very simply right at the beginning, I just couldn't find an agent. But then these these books started piling up because I just kept writing books and writing books. So I thought, well, I have to do one of two things. I either have to just give up and move on or I try self-publishing so I can just get them out in the world. And I did. And I've learned a ton. Um, and and it's it's been it's been very good for me to, because it forces me to look at my craft as a business. So when I'm outlining books, I always think of the reader. What does the reader want? What does the reader expect? You don't want the reader to throw their book across the room like you did. <laughs> um, you, <laughs> we'll tell you, that story in wanna, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you 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 want to be able to to have the reader close the book, and even if they're they're not like a hundred percent, like nah, that was okay. You you don't want to tick them off. You want to still come to the party with the right food, right? Like you want to be able to give them what you promised. Everything from the cover, the title, the the size of the book, um, the idea of a series. So I have two series because especially mystery writers, uh, mystery readers love series. And they're more paperback readers in mystery, I've learned, than ebook. 
So they're, they're all neat little things that you, you learn when you're self-publishing. It's, it's a bit more work because you have to handle your own social media. So if you're more of an introvert, which I technically classify myself as an introvert, I think I do just so I can uh, find an excuse to get out of things. But <laughs> um, no, I, I just find that you, you have to push yourself beyond where maybe you're comfortable with social media, with advertising, really focusing and staying on track and also pushing yourself to actually have deadlines because there isn't someone calling you. So that, that, that's a little tough, but it's, it's, it's been working out like 22 books in six years is, is pretty decent. It's a huge accomplishment. That's, it's amazing. Now, as a self-published author, you get to decide what every style of the book is about, including the cover art, the font, how big the 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 le- the font size is inside the book. How do you make all those decisions? Who do you have an artist that you work with for your covers? I do. I actually found someone. Uh, there's a website called thecoverdesigner.com or bookcoverdesigner.com. And there, there are pre-made covers, but then you can also find designers to work with you directly. And so I found someone who had a lot of covers that I, I really resonated with. And I thought, yeah, I, I can see this actually being a more contemporary whodunit novel and work with him. And, and he designs the covers. So I'll just give him a blurb about what the book's about. And every single time he's come back with the right cover and the right design. So that's, that's been fairly easy. Knock on, you know, knock on wood, anything can happen, but, uh, I've been pretty lucky where that goes and everything else. There's just such a plethora of information right now that really didn't exist 10, 20 years ago. You could find anything online. There are a lot of great resources, blogs, uh, help websites, um, even even self help books for writers that want to kind of get up and self publish on their own, and a lot of try- things that other people have tried and maybe worked or didn't work. You learn from them, and I, I find writers are great at helping other writers. Uh, there, there's this phrase that I, I've seen a lot in a lot of social posts that. All rising tides or rising tides help all boats or something like that. It was more eloquent when I read it. (laughs) (laughs) But basically, you know, a rising tide helps all boats. I think that's how it goes. And it's true. So if the industry itself is doing well, you can generally read one book once. There are some books I've read more than once just because I just love them. But you generally will read a book and then move on and find another book and then another book and then another book. So it's it's a really unique industry where when I was involved in skincare before, people will stick to their brand that they like. And then that's it. You generally don't get too much of an opportunity to get a customer from another business. But with writing, you do. And so so that part is great. You can get a lot of good information on social media from other writers. Do you think and believe that everybody has a story to tell? I do. Actually, when I was coming up with a tagline to put on my bookmarks and some other promotional products that I was putting out, I went with, we are made of stories. 
And it's because everyone does have a story. Um, I have a neighbor who does art and she does paintings and she puts crystals in her paintings as that's her medium. And she tells her story that way. And, and some people sing, um, some people do poetry, uh, but I do, I think everyone has a story and I think now is just such a great time for people to have the freedom to get their story out there so everyone can hear it and share it because this world is so huge. There's always someone out there that can resonate with what you're saying. Now you're a murder mystery writer and we were talking mm-hmm. about, you know, blockage. Do you ever write yourself into a corner and then get yourself out or go, no, 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 I'm going to do it this way. Oh my God, I'm so brilliant. <laughs> I would love to say I'm brilliant. I don't think <laughs> I am. Uh, I think plotting helps me avoid that. But that's not to say that that I don't reach a point. Like what happened is I was just the book I'm writing now. I'm three quarters of the way through the 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 second edit. And I'm like, oh, I need... I just suddenly started typing this new character in. And so I just had to grab my my red pen and my black pen and start scribbling down who this person was. And, and because all of a sudden, this person who didn't exist, my first couple of iterations, suddenly made sense. And it tied two or three things together. And I hadn't seen it before. And I was getting so excited. And all it was was about two pages. But it just, it made such a difference. So yeah, you do, you do get into those situations where you either get to a chapter and you think, this just isn't ending right. And you don't have that transition that makes sense into the next chapter. Um, so it, it, you know, it takes time reworking it, but, but it does eventually come to fruition something always ends up getting put on the paper. And uh, with murder mysteries, I I think the thing I like about it the most is there's always a way you can drop in a murder, a beating, a kidnapping, um, a secret family member that just appears to help you turn that corner. And, And the choices are endless. It's so fun. And as I'm doing it myself as well right now, it's so fun to tease and red herrings and and mm-hmm. MacGuffins and putting in all those little things that are just human normal behavior, but look, make people look guilty as fuck <laughs> in yeah. something that they're not nothing to do with. And I am having so much fun with that myself because it's just like, and then I, I have um, uh, my main twosome are a divorced mm-hmm. couple. And she's a criminal uh, crime writer novelist herself. So she's constantly coming up with stories. And her ex-husband is constantly saying, that's just a story you're coming up with in your head. He just only said this. He didn't. So what? And then she brings up, well, what about this? And he's like, that's who. He's always like that. You're making this into something it's not. So it is kind of fun when you get that energy going with the characters. Here's a question I have for you. Yeah. When you're writing your characters, do you picture them? And if so, do you picture them as friends of yours, famous actors? Well, a bit of both. Uh, A bit of both. I've had family and friends ask me, is that me? (laughs) Or 
is that is that Kate? Like, is that about her? And uh, I guess your your first response should be, well, that's a confession, right? Because you're a murder mystery writer. So <laughs> if that's you, then then are you telling me something that you did? <laughs> um, but you do, I think, instinctively pick up traits from people you know. Um, good traits, bad traits, but, but I don't write about people I know purely, but, but definitely, um, I think too, just because our world is so visual and I like movies, it's hard not to picture someone who might be a popular actor or actress and think, oh, that's who this person represents. But I try not to do it too much because I don't want to put myself into a tight corner that I don't have that flexibility for change. We were talking about titles and you're a title mm-hmm. person. You you come up with mm-hmm. titles that launch you into a story. Mm-hmm. And how does that work in your brain? Do they just come to you when you're falling asleep or out on your day or? I Both. Both. Um, so there's a notebook by my bed too. Same. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't always recognize the writing. I the next saying, morning, I've but, brought that up on oh, this show like, before. Yes, of course. You're, like, you're always like, you read the it the next hell morning. Is this? Exactly. You read it the next morning. You're like, yes. roller skate rainbow what? Muffin? Yeah. <laughs> the fuck is that? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's exactly it. But I mean, the mystery titles are the. F- most fun to come up with. It's a lot harder with the other genres, I find. Um, like everything for like Murder on the Orient Express. Like you, you just, that's such a neat title. Um, so all of my titles, I try and have fun with them. And I always try and make sure there's a double meaning to it. So Murder of Crows, for example, everyone knows what a Murder of Crows is. But there's also a character in the book who's the first victim and his last name is Crow. Um, And just all my books have always had more than one meaning to the title. I think it makes it fun. It's another time to offer another opportunity to offer an aha moment. So when person's reading the book, they're like, that's what the title means. Um, But yeah, I just, a title will just come to me and I think, oh, that would be a great title for a book. And I might not even have an idea. I have about 50 titles sketched out thinking these would be great titles for books Um, just because they, they just pop into your head and you just write them down before you forget them. Yeah, I've done it for years. And there, there's always like, for me, it used to be screenplays or plays or, or, you know, and now obviously books. Um, interestingly mm-hmm. that you bring that up because here's a question I have, cause it's something I do. Do you do the big Google search to make sure no one else has used a title, a name, a town, or do you not care? I used to at the beginning. And then I realized that there are a lot of books with similar names. So I try and find the name that I think is really good for the story. I do check. Because you don't want to have a book that's identical to another author in the same genre. And if you can switch it, you're better off to do it sooner than later. But if it's a title that really works, you know, you, you try and go with it. But you do want to stand, stand out on your own. Um, 
So it's always good to do that double check. But, you know, sometimes it just doesn't work. You're just so locked in. Like Murder of Crows, there are a number of books with that title, but that title just worked so perfectly. The Dead of Winter is another one. And it just worked so perfectly with the with the book. I just went with it, and I've never had had anyone make a comment about it yet. <laughs> well, when you name your book War and Peace, or um, yeah, that's different. That's Gone different. With the yeah. Wind, maybe. Yeah, the, there's there's certain ones you stay away from. Like you're not going to have a murder on the Orient Express. Right. Right. Yeah, stay away from those. Now you're a mom. Mm-hmm. How many kids do you have? I have two boys, um, one's 25 and one's 21. Are they creative? My youngest is very creative. Um, he is, I think he's a phenomenal actor. He acted just in high school, but I think it's something he could totally do. He's, he's a great singer. Um, my oldest son is a phenomenal gar- guitar player. So he's a musician. So yeah, they, they both have... Uh, an artistic gene that that they they've just kind of found on their own, not pushed into it, and it's it's great to watch that flourish. One question I ask a lot of guests is, whenever you first started writing, sometimes I say it different ways here, but when you first started writing, if you could go back to that early writer version of yourself who was first sitting down and going to go for it, what advice would you give her? now to not have stopped i used to sketch out stories when i was just a little kid um like we used to every saturday morning my parents would pile us into the car you know no seat belts off we go to the library and you you know you burst through the doors my sister and i would go one way and my parents would go another and we'd we'd all leave with these armfuls of books and I used to, I used to love designing uh, coloring books, cartoon books, comic books, and then I'd write short stories. And then just somewhere along the line, you just stop. And that that would be the one thing I would have said to myself, that younger self, is don't stop. Even if you don't share it right away, just don't stop. Just keep writing. Keep having fun with it. If this is your truth, then live it. We close these shows with three questions. Don't panic. You know the answers. First one's the easiest one of all. Where do people find you online and social media? And where do people buy your books? The easiest place to find me is my website, which is www.llabbott.com. And you can buy my books at Amazon, Kobo, Barnes & Noble. Um, I have an audiobook at ACX, and I also have a murder mystery dinner party that is going to be ready for download off of my website within a few weeks, um, which is kind of fun. And yeah, the Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, all of those links are on my website. And my husband highly recommends. Highly, five stars, 10 stars out of five. Mm, He's awesome. (laughs) Yes, well, I I have fun writing it. So I'd love to find more readers, more followers, come along on the journey um, and and just have fun and lose yourself 
in a mystery book or a spy book or a heartwarming fiction book and get your kids reading. I have some kids books that, that you can bring along for the crew. The last two questions can go back to anything we've already spoken about or anything you want to say. Question number two is, who inspires you? Um, I, I would say a simple answer would be a lot of people inspire me in different areas of your life. Um, my kids, just in everything, how they've handled COVID at their young age, uh, where I was out at nightclubs at their age, not even thinking about it. They've had to completely uh, adjust their life and, and how they move forward. Um, but I would say anyone who manages to still be nice, caring, and giving, even when life has given them every reason not to, there have been so many people that their lives have just done a complete roundabout in the last few years. And the people that still manage to, to be nice souls, just as my, my best friend Kate always says, they're good eggs. So people that just still manage to be those good people, um, those are the people that really inspire me because I just think, okay, you know, I can keep doing this. I can keep going forward and do the best for myself and everyone around me and everyone who's important to me. And the final question is not even a question. It's a statement to finish. Tell me something good. There's a lot of good in every moment um, of every day if you look for it. So if you really look for it, you can often find it. Um, Even, you know, if you're stuck in a line somewhere where people be getting frustrated around you, you you could look at it as a moment just to, you know, take a few seconds to think about what you're doing or where you're going next. Um, and if there isn't a good vibe around you, create one. Because I do think that the world, for the most part, is good. It's really, really easy to forget when you open up a news app and you listen or read what's going on in the world. But but there are good stories folded in between those bad stories, you know, stories of hope and people surviving and, and speaking out for people that can't speak out. So yeah, just look for it and spread the good word and try your best to be happy. Thank you, LL, for sharing your good. Go get you a good mystery or any of her books. They make the perfect gift for the holidays. Next time on World Gone Good. If you're a long-time listener, you know what happens when we play that song. It is our third annual Holidays Gone Good episode. I'm gathering up a bunch of good little elves. We're frying up some latkes, hanging the mistletoe, and getting together to share the good of the season. 
Get ready for some holiday tales that will make you smile and remind you of and in the magic of the season. I can't wait to get my jingle on with you. Until then, be good. Twice as-